Hey guys, it's Steven and Simon from Dial here. Today we actually have a special guest as part of our podcast for today for both esports and gaming. His name is Jim Rising. He's a professional StarCraft II player and streamer in Mexico right now. And uh, just in case you guys don't know much about us, um, between Simon and I, we have about 10 years of gaming and professional uh, esports experience. And I was a professional gamer for StarCraft II under the name of Fnatic for about two years. And I moved to Curse, which is known for Curse Voice, later bought out by Twitch and Amazon. And now I work at uh, Streamplay.io, which is uh, both an esports news hub and a, a platform for game gamers and streamers. Uh, hi guys, I'm Simon. I played a bit of uh, World of Warcraft Arena um, back at university, managed to get into the top three EU teams for 3 versus 3. And uh, then I started moving into a gaming career, started off doing marketing for a few years, and then I moved over to the product side. And over together, I've been doing that for five years now. And uh, yeah, I've been working on online games as well as mobile games. So yeah, um, I'll just do a brief introduction about Jim Rising and you can kind of fill in the rest of the information. So Jim Rising is definitely a good friend of mine since uh, 2012. We played a lot of StarCraft 2 together. He's known as one of the best uh, Zerg players for StarCraft 2 in Mexico. And uh, we definitely hit each other a lot on ladder, went to the same competitions, played against each other and so forth. So... Um, yeah, Jim Rising, do you, uh, did I miss anything else? Could you give us a better, uh, more, probably a little better introduction than what I gave to you to, to our audience real quick? Okay. Hello, guys. Well, I am from Mexico. I play StarCraft II professionally. And right now, uh, I still play this game. Uh, it's not even the most pop popular game, but... Mm -hmm. I really, I really enjoy it, and it's the only game. It's the only game that I don't get bored of playing uh, hours and hours. So yeah, that, that that's what I do. I play video games. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, how many years have you played StarCraft? Uh, almost six years. Well, that's that's. I think that's when we first sort of met, right? Around that time, like 2010, 2011. Oh, I started at the beginning of oh, 2011. Yeah, very nice, very nice. That's around the same time as when I started. Cool. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's. I, I know you mm -hmm. from long time ago, Mr. Hello Kitty. Oh my goodness, that's that's the good old days, the fun days, yeah, with Major and uh, Maker. Anyways, um, just since we have our special guest is uh, Jim Rising, we want to get to know a little bit more about his opinions on uh, the things he's more familiar with. So we want to talk a little bit about, today we want to talk a little bit about uh, life of a professional gamer, what it means to be one, what kind of difficulties Jim Rising had to overcome to become a professional gamer in the first place. And then the second half, we'll focus a little bit more on uh, eSports, 
the way it's structured right now, what is wrong with it, what's his opinion on this, um, the cheating, the the banning, the all the imbalances in the in the current esports system, and how we can fix it. So, Simon, do you want to kick us off a little bit on just sort of your opinion of esport gamers and what they uh, kind of represent to you? What do you think they kind of go through on a daily basis? Well, well, first off, I I would like to say that the first thing when it comes to my mind when I think of esports gamers is that they have a very intense, I would say, training routine before they go for any kind of tournament. And this means, I would say, at least eight hours, maybe even 10, 15 hours of play per day. And that's just George training. And that's more hours than a general job, which is eight hours per day, 40 hours a week. So you're going to be... And these guys are practicing for a tournament um, where they compete against other players who are also doing the same thing. And uh, during that practice time, you're not making money. You're hoping to go big at the tournament and not only win the cup, but also win the whole prize money. So there's a lot of money and uh, time at risk um, for a tournament, which you're not guaranteed to go get first. But still, um, hopefully everything pays off for players that put all this effort into it. Um, at the same time... Um, there's a lot of eSport games out there, so I can't really think of much apart from that. Yeah, um, definitely. I think you cover a lot of good points, um, especially um, just kind of the practice routines. But I kind of want to just bring it back a little bit since Gym Rising and I played the same game. We have shared basically the same experiences. Gym Rising is beyond FXO, which is one of the best teams a while back, being on different teams like LGN and also Team Roots. As well, so you know, he's been on a lot of teams sim- similar with me. I've been on Fnatic. I was on Team Pulse a while back in Area Fifty One. So it's been quite a difficult journey. I feel like as a professional gamer, gamer in general, uh, you never really expect yourself to be a professional gamer in the very beginning when you start playing video games. Uh, I personally thought that I was just going to play the game for fun, which is why my name, my alias, and Stream Rising call me out for is Hello Kitty. It's meant to troll people, to make people mad and upset when they lose to me. But then that name itself become a little more iconic when I was, happens to accidentally become a professional gamer. And uh, I kind of want to bring up a few points, just, you know, as, as for our audience who probably aren't really familiar with the professional gamer life. Um, it's because professional gaming is very difficult. And, like me and Jim Rising, I want to say we. I don't really want to say this, but I feel like we chose the wrong game <laughs> as a professional gamer. I think uh, StarCraft Two was probably the least paid and the most competitive esport of almost all time. Um, League of Legends pays a lot more. Dota Two pays a lot more. Uh, I think even Smite pays more. Hearthstone Park pays more as well. Uh, and, and it's very difficult, you know. In America, in even in Mexico, I want to say it's it's hard to become a gamer, a professional gamer, because you're getting paid so little, um, and it's and it, you're competing against people who was played or being influenced by this StarCraft, for example. It's been in Korea for about you know 15 years now. These the people there are 
playing since the very beginning of time while he's joined like us in about 2010, 2011. The pay is very, very low unless you're at the very top of the ladder. Even then, like if you're even like us, average professional gamers, you're basically expecting about $500 or less per month, which in America is definitely um, below minimum wage. Um, so it's a lot of practice, a lot of hardship. I think there's a lot of family issues as well. And I want to bring Jim Rising in and get his opinion on what do you think about uh, life as a professional gamer, I guess, as for StarCraft 2. Okay, so if we start from the beginning, um, we should talk about my family. It was the first um, problem. Um, I started to play StarCraft 2 without knowing the esports. Okay, I bought the game. I was in the university, and I was like, "Oh, look, it's StarCraft 2. It's, it's kind of cool, yeah." The continuation of StarCraft 1. Oh, I will buy it. So I started to play team games, really, really ca casual. Mm -hmm. casual. Uh, I was just playing team games, and I started to to know new people. So these new people started to talk about the tournaments on Korea. Mm -hmm. And and I got really interested in that, and I started to watch tournaments and that kind of things. And I just and I and I just said, okay, I want to earn money playing um, this game. So I started to practice. I mean, not practice to be honest. I just started to play one v one, like ladder, uh, all day long, every day, mm -hmm. without. Um, Without what's what's the word for that? Without following the correct strategies the, or the, the meta. Uh, techniques, just uh, yeah. playing, you know, to uh, just trying to mm. be better. So, uh, and when I say better, it's about mm. speed. How fast? Can you uh, execute and like, like your APM? Um, and stray. So after I practice a lot to have a good speed, then I started to to study strategies and and everything that involved to to be a pro gamer. So the first problem was my family. Uh, my mom started to tell me stop playing that that uh welding come on um it, the game is not going to give you any benefit uh keep keep studying and and i was like no i want to be pro gamer so i just ignore my family and i just focus focus in how to be better so that's what that's why that's what that's ah, that's what no that's <laughs> what? that was the first problem sorry no worries, no worries. that was the first problem uh starting my my career as professional gamer so the other problem is with the community i am i'm not talking about um, a Starcraft community or gamer community. I'm talking about Mexico community. We are very, very 
close and we don't accept new things like like you can get money from playing video games you can get money from other different activities that you don't see usually so that's uh, my friends and and other people uh, keep saying that this this will never give you anything good or whatever but at this day i can say i'm living from video games i'm living uh, with my girlfriend i i left my family so this is my job mm -hmm. so uh, uh what does it mean to pay in the right game mm, uh, right now i think starcraft 2 it's not that popular Mm -hmm. uh, as League of Legends or Dota 2. So the earnings are way lower, mm -hmm. at least for me. So this year I'm focused in focusing, focusing in, in, in casting. I, I will be caster for Latin American tournaments. It's a easier, um, it's easier to get uh, money, a good money. Uh, a caster gets paid like as a champion gets so okay wow uh, yeah that, that's the general things that i can talk about it i don't know if you guys have another question yeah definitely um so i think that's really good insights um i can definitely relate with the family thing um definitely when i bring it up to my family or my friends they think it's like what the hell you know like you, you can play games and make money they kind of kind of laugh at it, you know, or they don't approve, especially for my family. Um, even though we did make okay money, I felt like there was never, like, uh, support from my family that says, hey, go play games and make money from that. Um, and again, yeah, I agree with you on the pay as well. It's definitely very difficult. Uh, so what is good and bad, I feel like there's... A lot of things we can talk about that's good and bad. Um, but I definitely feel like my relationship with my family uh, definitely fell apart a little bit just because we we had differences on uh, kind of the way they approach we, they approach life versus the way I do it. You know, I was in university as well when I started playing, and uh, there was definitely a big disagreement there, but... You know, it, it turned out pretty, pretty good experience. I'm still enjoying it. I'm working in the gaming industry now because of my professional gaming experience. So, in a way, it was very good that uh, I became a professional gamer in the first place. I mean, it's definitely not for everybody, and uh, you know, I, I think I think it's it's definitely a good experience. It just depending on the way you take it, and you know, about about money again. I think. You hit the right jackpot, right spot with a lot of the esports games now, which is there's not a lot of money in esports unless you're playing Dota, League of Legends, or Counter Strike. Those are the few games that actually pays pretty decently. Well, most other esports games like Heroes of the Storm, uh, Smite, they don't pay, or even I think Rocket League, they probably won't pay you really well for playing the game. And uh, so I guess it brings up. Bring us up to the next questions. You know, what needs to be changed? Um, I think there's a lot of things that can be changed. 
more acceptance of people becoming a professional gamer. I think there's need, needs to be more money uh, involved to be a professional gamer. Um, Simon, what do you think about that? Um, well, huh? Did you want to say something? Germanizing? No. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll say a thing then. I'll talk for a bit. Um, I basically think there's a few sides to this question. Well, one of the sides being the family side. Um, if we go maybe five years or ten years back, if your family saw you playing games, they would probably think you're wasting your time. But now they probably know more, a little bit more, or slowly are knowing more about games, online gaming and esports and live streaming. Um, so even my mother the other day, she was asking me questions about the people that are doing uh, live streaming for games and um, maybe just not even games, just re uh, live streaming their life uh, or live streaming online. And she was asking how these people are making money and how is the industry. So it's a slow process, but they're being exposed to this industry more and more. And with the exposure, they will want to know more. They'll become interested and they will maybe slowly start to accept it more. But 10 years back, this question and interest wouldn't have happened. But now it's happening. So on the family side, slowly, it will probably be more accepted. Um, the other side is probably that needs to be changed is probably, I would say, more of a social side. So it's a combination of, um, it's how you get into the industry itself. So there's not many that, there's not that many easy ways to break into an esports scene right now. Okay, maybe you can go do a study in university, but there's not a clear path from university to becoming a professional gamer you kind of have to figure that out for yourself. So if schools started supporting this transition or having kind of teams at the school to help or, or have a, a, a team for the school to go for esports events, that would be something new that would help the esports competitor, uh, a professional gamer, transition into the industry. So the schools can help out in a certain way and can help out the player greatly. Another way, another side of the coin, I would say, is the gaming companies itself that need to help the change. Um, they would need to bring more money in. They would also need to actively scout for potential players that are really good. I mean, they are doing this now with the ladders in many games, taking the top few percent of players and supporting organized events um, that are organized not by the company itself. Um, so not only the game company would help to help would need to help the player transition from a contender to a professional gamer. The organizations that are not part of the game company that are in the esports community will also need to help the player transition into a professional gamer. So that's uh, three sides of the coin: the family part, the maybe schools need to help, and also companies that are parts of the esports community. If they all come together, the industry will grow pretty quickly, I would say. Cool, yeah, definitely agree. Uh, I think Jim Rising is uh, waiting, waiting to speak, so let's let's hear some of his idea and uh, 
and get, get some of his insights. Uh, Jim Rising, what do you have to say about this? Well, uh, I have some ideas mm, about what we need to mm -hmm. to be a real no to have more professional players and and leave from gaming without complications like money or whatever right. it, uh, it is. Uh, one idea is we don't need more money in prize pools. We don't need uh, a, a big tournaments with a stratospheric uh, money. That we need is uh, teams And I'm, t I'm talking about not only top teams, not only like Fanatic or Dignitas. We need teams from semi-professional. Like, okay, we need to compare like soccer. Yeah. At least in Mexico, we have a league of soccer, right? Uh, the, the Each player gets like in dollars around uh, $10,000 per month. Okay, a salary. So that's what that's what we need in esports. A salary that we can live, even if we if we don't win a tournament, we can we can still practicing and giving content to the community and, and other things mm -hmm. because we need to live from sponsorships or tournaments. And sponsorships are focusing in mm -hmm. League of Legends and investing all the money in the big tournaments, but they forget about semi-professionals. They, they aren't supporting the semi-professional players that they are the new blood. The, the top pro gamers right now, uh, they will be retired in like at least four years. Yeah. So what about the new, the new blood? We need new blood that get motivated to, to keep practicing, to get that level. That's, That's something that uh, teams and another industry, at least um, Riot or whatever, it's mm -hmm. missing. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's, it's the uh, immaturity that really matters uh, right now because, look, five years from now, you probably don't see any of the current professional gamers play anymore. And you can see that in... Uh, You can you can see that in like Dota 2 already, where a lot of professional gamers basically retired after two or three years. Um, so it was uh, it, it's it's very interesting that you know you bring it up, like amateur players. That's that's where it matters, the amateur leagues. I mean, there's also there's always going to be people rising to the professionals, but like you said, you know we don't need a million dollar tournament. I mean, those are nice. Don't get me wrong, but. They don't really do much when it comes to, uh, you know, developing more player base, developing young blood, young talent, like you said. Like, you bring up soccer, which is really good, you know, because um, when we talk about sports, you know, like soccer, you can you can play all day. Everybody can play. Everybody knows how to play it. But to be good at it is a, is a different thing. And you can be competing in a collegiate, which is a university level, Uh, amateur leagues, which pays decently, but not as, definitely not as good as professional. And professional pays really, really well. So I definitely agree with you on the, uh, the stable salary sort of thing. And there needs to be a lot more investment into the younger blood, the amateur, starting from high school to college. So 
I think with that said, uh, we'll conclude this topic and move on to the next one. But um, essentially, I definitely agree with you guys. Um, you know, there's there's on the problems with professional esports players right now, and uh, it's it's definitely a pretty big issue when it comes to players that don't get paid enough, players that are having problems with family, and just the whole structure of the way esports is set up is based on price pools. Uh, yeah, like. I completely agree with. Uh, um, okay, let's. let's I completely <laughs> agree with what uh, Jim was saying before. Basically, he was talking about how one of the things I believe he was talking about was that semi-professionals or amateur players that are transitioning into the professional league they need financial support, and I completely agree with this because if the players are able to get financial support, they will carry on playing and not stop halfway on the way to becoming a professional so they don't have to worry about living and all those basic necessities um so they can focus on training and becoming a professional but if they don't get that financial support they'll probably stop playing halfway and think this is not promising i might as well go do something else um so if there's less people playing there'll be less professional players and less talent to pick from for every single kind of game, in fact. Um, but at the same time, so there's, if we provide a basic salary, there'll be more people going into the professional gaming industry and uh, more people that are possibly really talented in this area. Um, so that's something that needs to be done. But also by giving a basic salary, um, the players will be able to focus more on playing better and practicing rather than thinking about the money and how to make enough money to um, satisfy their, their, their life. Um, so if, if that part of their life is satisfied, they can just focus on trying to be the best gamer they can. So money is a huge deal for this. And um, I'm not sure who in, or which organization needs to step up in the industry, but either the gaming company or the, um, the the what's it called the sponsors. esports sponsors or the esports teams they need to step up their game even for the semi professionals definitely cool awesome yeah that's a great conclusion again uh, Jim Rising's got to uh, do some business so we're gonna have to uh, let him go a little earlier today even though we we definitely want him to help us cover the second part. Anyways, again, thank you for coming out with uh, to us to the podcast with us, uh, Jim Rising. And uh, again, we're really thankful, and it's great to hear your opinions. Great to have you on. We definitely would like to have you on again in the future. And uh, yeah, again, thank you so much, and best of luck with your uh, business. Yeah, Thanks. thank you for the invitation, guys. Even if my English is not that good, I really it's appreciate good. the very invitation good. and anything you you guys need. Just let me know, and I will help. Right, Again, thank you so much for helping out with us. Take it easy. Bye. Mm, bye-bye. Oh, awesome. So that was Jim Rising from Mexico, one of the best Zergs. And we're really funny guy, even though he's in, he's, he said he proclaims his English is not very good. But I, I have to disagree a little bit there. Um, so let's move on to the next uh, topic, actually, which is about... It's, again, about esports. And, but this time is more about... The, the dark side, the bad side of it, which is cheating, the gambling, 
the match fixing, the people that are involved, and the decisions they're making towards these players, which um, I have a very strong opinion on, uh, because I feel like uh, a lot of a lot of things that are done so far to players are unfair. There's not a lot of protections for esports players themselves. So I guess I'll kick off a little bit on giving you guys a little more background on the whole scandal, the scheme of esports and the, the darker side of it, which is um, involved in a lot of betting, a lot of cheating, a lot of max fi- match fixing. And it all really started back in South Korea when it was the basically first esports of uh, all time, right? And um, there's definitely players who intentionally loses matches they get approached by some big gamblers and they say hey um let me pay you fifty thousand dollars if you intentionally lose this match on purpose one of the most infamous and famous players of all time that was convicted was uh savior which is one of the best and most popular zergs at time he was sentenced like five or ten years into jail for that after he got caught and um yeah it's it's a very big deal and it kind of ties back, and it happens a lot. Uh, there's like a new, a really young blood player. He was 14 when he was a prodigy for StarCraft 2. His his uh, gamer tag was Life. I think he was sentenced to jail as well uh, after losing a lot of money gambling a lot in Europe as well. And it's it's been like a trend like this for the past uh, 15 years, essentially, of esports gambling issues and. One of the problems is that, like we mentioned before, it's the player salary is not very high. Uh, if let's say, if you're, let's say I'm making a million dollars, if you even approach me with ten million dollars, help me to throw this match, I probably won't do it just because it's not that big of a reward for me. Versus someone, let's say, maybe have a five thousand dollar yearly uh, salary, and then you approach me with a hundred thousand dollars, I'll probably do it right away, and hoping I don't get caught. And it's not a big deal, and a lot of times when people make these kind of decisions, they're mostly minors. Or they're very young, they're not very social, they've spent their whole life basically practicing esports. So it's it's a lot of times people get tricked into doing these kind of things. And um yeah, Simon, what's your opinion on this kind of stuff? Well, cheating is uh hands down something you shouldn't be doing in any kinds of sports tournament. Um and the consequences of cheating and abusing a system in place that you shouldn't be abusing should have harsh punishments if you cheat and get caught or if you um, abuse the system to get an advantage, you should be banned or um, face any punishments that are in place, uh, either a fine or in some harsh cases, maybe going to jail for a while. Or basically being banned from esports for life if you cheat in esports. Some of these systems are in place um, for a reason. Um, but at the end of the day, I can kind of understand where people have come. People are coming from if they're offered the opportunity to make a large sum of money. Um, like you were saying, if someone's making a few thousand bucks over the duration of a year, they're gonna have a hard time kind of uh, providing for not only themselves, if they have other people they need to provide for, it's going to be hard. So if they're offered a large sum of money, oftentimes maybe 100 times of what they're making a year, 
and that is guaranteed, they'll probably take it because um, it's it's a lot of money for some people. Um, I mean, you're going to have to weigh kind of who you are as a person. Uh, maybe you'll get caught. And if you get caught, you're done for. But still, the, the money is luring, alluring for a lot of people. So people will do this sort of stuff. Um, but still, the, the, the root of the problem is that there's the, the, the players aren't getting enough money. So they've got to find other means to make money. Um, even if they don't cheat, they're probably going to not do esports for as long as you want them to. Definitely, yeah. So, yeah, you talk a lot about, you know, the, the harsh punishment that should come, but when you have to think about it in, in the professional gamer's shoes and perspective is that, one, they're very young, and two, again, like, they have no money, so it's very easy for these people to be convinced to do these kind of things, even though they, they all know it's not it's not good. <laughs> the integrity is there, you know, you're, you're not supposed to. This is you know, against the com- competition spirit. However, um, you know, like in, in a lot of professional sports, there are definitely cheating involved as well. Not on the same scale, just because the player is getting paid better. Uh, the way they're not going to be able to be bought off by some betting website and pay some 100K for a match or something. Um, but when you think about it, the punishments are very different. You know, the Patriots, for example, they had a deflated football for the longest time. They, were, they weren't very punished that harshly. It's like some. some about a year or two of probation or something like that, nothing too big. Um, but you know, compared to esports, which the punishments somehow deem much harsh, more harsh when you do something similar, like uh, throwing a match or rigging something here and there. You know, for esports, it's you're you're permanently banned, or you're in like in some cases you go to jail for the things you do, which. Sometimes when you think about it, it's quite quite a harsh punishment for uh, something that's trying to be a sport, be more standard as a sport. And I feel like that's again attributed because of the amount of money involved. Again, it's it's not much. Like all the money that they talk about is not much compared to an actual sport. Like these, the professional soccer, professional American football, professional basketball players make so much that you know it's very hard for them to throw games. And um, I feel like esports is just kind of a double standard where they want to be a sport, they want to be very organized, and yeah, they don't have the money like how sports are. They they have way harsher roles than how sports are. So where does where is it? You know, I kind of I'm more sympathizing with the players, of course, uh, from coming from a professional uh, player background. Like, where is it enough? You know, where where is the guideline to protect the players from such things. Then again, like some examples, you know, like Counter Strike, for example, a a team of they used to be called iBuy Powers. Uh they essentially quote unquote threw the match a little bit, right? They as a team as a whole they decided, hey, it's we need to make some money, we need to throw the match. So they and then they, it's not even that much money, maybe like three thousand, four thousand dollars. And Valve just said, okay, well, and, and, Valve, and then look, Valve is not, is a game publisher. Like, I think we talked a lot about this in the past. Should game publishers be able to decide on these things? Where Valve just said, hey, we are banning these players permanently forever. And that's, you know, like, compared to that, 
versus the Patriots deflating their football, getting probation. It's like, is it is 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 the lifetime ban justified for three thousand dollars? You know, like I, I I personally don't 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 think uh, I I sympathize with the players again, so I don't think these. Uh, rules. There's no clear rules to protect the players. There's no guidelines to say exactly what's going to happen to you when that happens to you. And again, these these players are actually cheated on, cheated by Val because Val said by the end of the year we'll make a decision, which during this time they can't compete, right? But in the end of the year, say we're going to expand their extend their life uh, ban to lifetime. I think it's a little unfair. And again, like players, they're not well educated enough to know these things. Um and again, esports is young and stuff, but I feel like, you know, from a player's perspective, it's it's hurting them a lot more than a uh, professional sport player. And so this kind of uh, behavior and acts from every side the the ones that are cheating, the ones that are making the rules, making the decisions, and the ones that are approaching these players. You know, everything is there's no regulations here. Uh, I just kind of want to get your opinion on this. Yeah, definitely there should be rules for these sorts of things. Um, you shouldn't give the company that much power to kind of just go in and ban you for life. Um, a ban for life is a ridiculously harsh punishment, especially if this is someone's career. Um, of course, if the person's done something ex- exceptionally um, damaging for the company or the game or the community itself, um, of course, you're probably only left with a permanent ban from a game or this esports for life. So, but I don't think these kind of bans should be taken lightly or kind of put out lightly. They should be thought about and they shouldn't be straight away given for cheating. And there should be a clear rule book written down for every game or the esports industry as a whole as to what is accepted, what is not accepted, and how each kind of thing that is not accepted be dealt with. Um, But yeah, on the topic of cheating and kind of abusing the rules, one thing that's pretty interesting is the kind of psychology behind cheating for an esports player versus the psychology behind cheating for a traditional sports or Olympics athlete if you look at these two people in esports at these two groups of people for esports a professional is probably of course there's people that are using substances to kind of improve their cognitive state but there's a lot of people are also cheating to kind of um get money at the end of the day so when you look at uh, a professional athlete in traditional sports or kind of Olympics, they're cheating to get an edge in the game, a competitive edge, um, rather than cheating for money. So this is something that needs to change in esports. They shouldn't be cheating for money. Of course, they also shouldn't be cheating to get a cognitive edge. But you can look at the two kinds of psychology. The, a traditional sports player... He is already making money, so he doesn't. And he, but at the end of the day, he doesn't really worry too much about that money. He wants to do the best competitively, and that's all he cares about. So he is risking his money and disqualification to win or perform better competitively. Whereas this 
mindset, of course, it is in the esports community, but is not the main reason for of why a player is cheating. Of course, there are people using cognitive enhancement um, substances, but uh, far less so, I would say, or far less so, I would say, than professional sports, and not the main reason for cheating. Right, definitely, definitely. Um, so I guess um, there's like several kind of psychologies going into this as a player, um, especially for players like StarCraft. You know, it's a one-on-one game. There's no team involved. It's basically, I, I, and I feel like when a lot of people play video games, they actually really love gambling as well. I, I can see that as a correlation. I, I, I used to never gamble, and uh, after I started playing StarCraft too, I started doing a little bit more gamble. I think it's more exciting. It's the excitement part of not knowing what the outcome is going to be, that's really exciting for a lot of players. And again, that can be sort of a uh, double-edged sword in a way where players do gamble more and they, they might lose a lot of money and the gambler says, hey, well, you just lose this match for me, uh, I'll, I'll cancel all your debt or whatever, right? So a lot of things like that happens because of the player mentality. It's the education that, again, is not, it's not necessarily there to protect the players from a foreign kind of uh, approach of uh, getting them to cheat. Um, again, like you said, yeah, it's definitely played plays in the hands of not necessarily money for traditional sport, but more to get an edge. And again, there's not a lot of regulation. So my proposal, I personally feel like can do esports a lot of benefit is when players cheat, there should be a third party independent sort of a committee that says. Well, hey, uh, uh, they basically make the regulations, make the rules, make the judgment on whether what kind of punishments should be done to a, a team or player entity that ha- that tried to take advantage of the system and so forth. But again, um, that's going a little more into the the the, the technical side of things, and I feel like it's going to take a while to implement, but. If esports really wants to be something that's more than a game, which I still think a lot of people, including myself, is thinking of esports as just a, just a game. It's it's a children of sport. It doesn't have any regulations. Doesn't have anything that's going on. Um, it definitely needs to have some sort of committee, independent committee that's you know justified. That's you know you can't bribe them and so forth to to be able to make this kind of stand, this sort of stance, because it is devastating, right? Let's say you're the best football player ever and you're banned for life from playing football. Like, what kind of what kind of punishment is that? You know, like, that's just, it's, I mean, again, it depends on the offense, but I feel like most of the justifications, especially, you know, in countries like South Korea where people are physically arrested, and up to go to jail for up to five to ten years for their crimes is, you know, ridiculous. And being banned permanently from doing such acts is, I I, I think is a little, I think it's a little too harsh. Even though you know the 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 cheating part is not justified, but the punishment shouldn't be as harsh. So um, I guess with that said, you know, we kind of went through a lot about the mentality, psychology, and ways to get 
uh, try to get cheaters out of the system, and also give give more justified punishments to players. Um, what do you think? Uh, what do, What do you think we should physically do for the players, uh, or what, should, what do you think we should do for the players so that they're more protected and there's a lot less cheating in the in the industry? Well, personally, I think uh, I don't have a problem with gambling in esports. I think gambling is okay in every sort of industry, and in fact, in esports, it would probably bring in more money. So it's 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 a good thing, but with shady sides, also. Um, Players cooperating with gambling institutions to cheat, and I, I don't think that is acceptable, but at the end of the day, it does come down to the player's integrity. And at the same time, you were also talking about how players do receive a lifetime ban and how there should be a committee. Yes, there needs to be an outside committee that is not part of um, the game company and is also not part of the team's. I mean, the t- the team could have a say. They could fire the player, but they can't ban the player for life. They could be blacklisted within the community if they're they're, they're they've um, violated rules um, over and over. But it doesn't ban the player from participating in in the esport itself. Um, so that is probably a less harsh punishment um, than being permanently bl- banned. You could be blacklisted and if other teams see this, they might be skeptical and not take you on. Obviously, they will know what you did if you've done something very harsh. Um, but a ban shouldn't be... The game company itself shouldn't have the kind a kind of say in banning a player for life. Um, they can have a say, but they shouldn't have the ultimate um, decision. Also, as the industry is right now, with the companies kind of pouring most of the money into the prize pools, I guess you can understand that they, at the end of the day, do have the decision to kind of ban or not ban, and they are able to make up all the rules for the tournaments, how the players are treated, because the money is coming from them, so they get to make the call. But still, if that is the case and how it is in the future, there should be a clear guideline and rule book to how these things happen if you cheat, if you break certain rules, if you do anything, in fact win losses how everything is decided there should be a clear guideline and rule book for everything but that isn't the case so the game companies the esport industry the organizers all need to step up in this sense it's it's not only going to protect the players more but it will make the industry more mature and at the same time more recognized as a real thing yeah, so agreed 100% there. And uh, with that said, uh, I think that concludes uh, today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed our, again, our discussion, especially this time, it's a lot more esports and making rulings, and basically get you more of an insight of a professional gamer's uh, life and background. And if you like if you like us, definitely hit us a follow on both SoundCloud, YouTube, wherever you hear us. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, streamplay.io, streamplay.io, I think, on Twitter handle. And, um, again, all feedbacks are welcome. We'd love to hear from you, what kind of topics you want us to talk about next time. And um, have a great rest of your week or the rest of your weekend. And uh, see you guys next time. See you guys.